Hello, I'm Regina Botras and this is Backstage, where we talk with the who's who on stage, in dance, comedy and performing arts, speaking with the leading theatre makers of our times and how they came to the stage and what drives them and inspires them. My guests are Julia Robertson and Zara Stanton. Julia Robertson is an actor, director and musician, currently artistic director of the award-winning devising group The Little Eggs Collective, which is bringing Metropolis to the Hayes Theatre. Yes, that black and white classic film. Uh, We'll get to that. She's an actor, a director, as I said, a musician and played across many theatres at Belvoir, uh, Griffin, uh, Emerald Productions, uh, Critical Stages, uh, as well as Netflix series and so, so much more. And Zara is an accomplished music director, composer, performer, arranger, vocal coach, and so much, having worked across many theatres, including the Hayes, One-Eyed Man Productions, Adelaide Festival, Australian Theatre for Young People, Belvoir Theatre, and so, so many more. Two great guests this evening to join me to talk about this classic. Welcome, Julia and Zara. Thank you so much for having us, Regina. Hi. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. What a story. Wow. Metropolis, the black and white stylized silent film of the 1920s. When did this idea first sort of come to like, you know, when were you inspired to do this and where did it start? Um, Look, I saw the film of Metropolis a very, very long time ago in high school um, and it's very much stuck with me since then, as I'm sure it has for everyone else who's ever seen it. It's, you know, one of the cornerstone works um, of sci-fi, especially the first sci-fi film and has been, you know, worked into every single sci-fi film since, I would say. Um, Once you see it, you can't unsee it in everything else that you watch. Um, But it's always been, I've always had projects in the bank Um, And whatever opportunity arises that I feel like that project is right for, I will pull it out. And the Hayes invited us um, to put something on within their season. They said, we've got our new musicals, we've got our classics, and we don't quite have what you do. Um, And I said, I'd like to do Metropolis. So it's taken a little while to get to where we landed once we confirmed with Hayes and we are actually adapting the novel and not the film. So the novel was written by Thea von Harbu, who also wrote the screenplay of the film um, alongside the film's production. So they kind of supported each other publicity wise and and producing wise as they both came out at, at similar times. But the text itself is really rich German expressionism and really answers a lot of the questions that the film posed when a lot of the scenes and things were were lost and cut um the text kind of fills in those blanks so it's really wonderful fodder to make a musical from wow okay so i get it so because when you think of the, the film you do think of obviously there's a lot of music so we'll get to that zara but it is the silent um i guess maybe you describe the the film and the relationship of the text to the film because visually I'm wondering if that is inspiring you as well because visually I know the really tall buildings and the men like the workers so there's this sort of power between the hierarchy and yeah can you give me a little bit of a paint the picture yeah 
the the world that um that is both presented in the text and the film is is absolutely colossal and it's i think one of the things that really grabbed me when i first saw it was the movement of the film and it's so great to go to the novel and see that she's described all of those movements um so so well and intricately wow. uh so you get this sense of of how people are moving through this world and how those who are oppressed move through the world and how those aren't move through the world um both literally and figuratively uh, but it is, you know, very much divided into two halves. You have the upper world and the lower workers' world. And the lower workers' world work within the machines to make the upper world as lush and gorgeous as it is, um, to provide those mm. above with endless amounts of luxury. Um, and their, their buildings, you know, reach high up into the sky and while the workers live below. Um, so we've really run with that, the themes, I guess, of um, of how deep and how high we can go, especially within the walls of the Hayes Theatre, which is quite small. Um, but I'm very interested in that vertical space and, and, and the feelings that you get um, and the sounds that you get and, and how you create that with an ensemble to feel oppressed and deep and, and dark and how you feel light and high in the sky. I think that's a really fun theatrical challenge, um, especially when you've got bodies to do it with as, as wonderful as ours are. They're really excellent performers. So are you, Zara, taking this musically into the work as well, this sort of high and low depth and height? Absolutely. Well, one of the things that drew me, I mean, I only, I had never watched Metropolis um, before Julia asked me to do this project six months ago. Um, <laughs> I did not know anything about it. <laughs> um, so I very quickly, you know, went and watched it all on YouTube and was, you know, also similarly struck by the scale of it. Um, but one of the things that I think um, really made me want to do this um, because, you know, it's a bit of a crazy feat to <laughs> write and stage a musical in six months. And most people in their right mind would probably say no to that. Um, but part of the reason I was so drawn to it was because Julia was describing what she wanted the world of the music to sound like um, and to, yeah, to mimic this, the scale of the show in terms of the grandeur of, um, you know, dense choral uh, moments and big operatic moments in the show, while also obviously keeping it relevant to a contemporary contemporary musical theatre audience. Um, and I have a background in, in choral music and in a more classical style. And that I thought was a really exciting opportunity because I think, you know, a lot of new musicals that are being written tend to lean into a more pop style, which is awesome and lots of fun. And I, I but I was really excited to create something new that harked back to kind of more you know, just a different a different style of music. So we've definitely got, um, yeah, those grander scale um, choral moments, um, some beautiful, um, almost, you know, operatic aria moments. Mm. But then I guess as the show moves on, um, we kind of contemporize it a little bit more. And so there are still, um, you know, pockets of more contemporary musical theatre style um, things, uh, some jazz influence as well, kind of as a, as a tribute to the kind of 1920s flappy era that the original ah. um, novel and movie were burst in um so as yeah. well as some ancient german carols and yes. german folk music as well um wow. so yeah we're really playing with with all of the all that the era gives us as well as what we can give it from a contemporary perspective mm. Mm. 
Okay, what is choral music? So choirs. So um, I mean, it's hard. In an ideal world, this this show would have a cast of, you know, fifty, and we'd have this <laughs> massive choir of voices. Yeah. Our massive choir of voices is six people. Um, <laughs> but uh, we're doing, uh, yeah. So really intricate, um, you know, harmony work. Um, again, like Julia was saying, we're trying to make this very small, intimate space of the haze feel like mm. you're in almost in a, a cathedral, listening to this beautiful. Um, uh, you know, dense music sung um, by all these voices together. There's some a cappella moments, so we're just hearing the voices by themselves. And with the voices that we've got in the room, it's it's sounding really, really special. And I think it really mm. lends itself to this idea of, um, you know, there's so many, there's so much focus in in the work on like these groups of people, the the group of workers, the groups that are. Mm. Um, you know, kind of almost faceless in a sense. We don't see the individual identity, but we just get this group. Yeah. Um, so that's why I think it lends itself to this, yeah, choral style. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if that was reflective of the the workers and then you have this more operatic for the, you know, hierarchy of voices potentially. So how, Julia, how did you come to writing this? So you've written um, the book and lyrics for it and Zara's written the, composed the music and is musical director and you're directing it um, as well, Julia. So, but taking this, was it written in German? Did you find an adaptation of it or a translation of it? And then how have you taken that and written the work. Yeah, so there is an English translation of the work, um, one version. It's not always successful, so it's been really interesting to sort of navigate um, some of those more, like, I mean, a lot of it is really dense metaphorical description um, and expression. So I'm very lucky that I have a German friend who's been helping me wade through it, those oh. moments that don't quite make sense in the English version. I say, what is this really supposed to feel like? Um, and he's been, you know, really illuminating <laughs> for that. Uh, but definitely using a lot of her description and metaphor and manipulating that into um, song and dialogue. I think dialogue is something that is, I've discovered is quite difficult. <laughs> um, but also I think the dramaturgy of the show itself is moving from something that is more classic in speaking style and slightly more antiquated very, very gently into a more contemporary message. So it's almost like things start to flow away from the melodrama of the world a little and it become very, very real. Mm. Um, at least that's what I, I think we've arrived at. Mm. Um, yeah, because it, it can, I guess, with the the magnitude of the world, it, it can feel very melodramatic and that's not a bad thing um, but we do want to make sure that for a contemporary audience they're still seeing themselves reflected and also the world that we're living in reflected in the work that we're making oh well it, it, it's interesting because I had a quick flick, look through the um through the YouTube film of it and obviously I mean I, I've seen it and I just love it because of that stylized version but it is a con um a comment on industry and consumerism and also, I guess, robots and, you know, or, or future. And we are kind of in that world. How can you talk to me a little bit about that world and how you're constructing it? Because um, I, I understand you have other elements to help with the, the kind of robot side of it. Um, and also that feeling that you were describing, you were asking your German friend, what does it feel like? What does it feel like? Yeah, I think 
you know, so something that's really interesting about this text that makes it so relevant today is that we're, we're almost moving away from those, um, you know, Caesar-style leaders of, uh, you know, charismatic politicians, and we know those stories, but now we're having these tech giants exist, and they exist above government and above regulation, um, and they do have so much power and control as to how people think and, and move through the world and how they manipulate, you know, what people people's needs generally. Um, so this feels very pertinent to that. I really wanted to make sure that I wasn't anti-AI in this version because I don't think that is helpful. Um, but I, I think a lot of the reason why AI or you know that kind of world is moves towards negativity or destruction or all of those kind of stories is by fault of man and it is by fault of that lack of regulation and. Um, yeah, that that lack of detailed care. I mean, we we all know how wonderful technology can be in in connecting people and and connecting cultures and and starting conversation. Um, but if it is unregulated and it is mismanaged or it is, you know, not paid detailed attention to, it can cause a lot of a lot of trouble both politically and and socially. Um, so we definitely have looked at that, and as a result, you know, between our Maria evolving into our robot Maria. We have a live, a, a human-sized puppeted robot, wow. um, and she's this gorgeous sort of innocent Bambi-like creature, really, <laughs> learning how to exist in the human world and trying really desperately to to be human um, mm. and not being successful. And I think, yeah, I really enjoy the fact that she's she has sort of evolved into something that's quite sweet. Um, and she becomes corrupted with Rotvang's message and and his spite and what he wants to do to really bring Friedison down and um, destroy his world. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how we're representing our our beautiful robot and AI feature. Talking about the directorial side of it for both of you, are you taking some of that sort of stylized movement from? the film, the Fritz Lang film, or are you, how are you like treating that both musically and as a director, directorially? Do you want to talk about the music first? Yeah, well, I guess it, it's interesting because when I first watched the um, the movie, obviously there's a beautiful um, soundtrack to, I mean, to the original. There's been various um, iterations of the soundtrack over the years, but I listened to that original one, the one that you can find on YouTube. Um, <laughs> and before we even started writing, I was like, oh, you know, maybe there are some themes that we can take out of that. Um, but I think then it, I, I think by nature of the process, the writing process being quite condensed um, and also, you know, finding a more contemporary voice for the show, we kind of steered away from that. But I think it's still, I guess, as I was saying earlier, like keeping that sense of, um, you know, having this heightened voice for some of the characters and making sure we have a really solid ensemble sound um, to serve that the representation of, you know, the workers and and the mob and and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Um and uh yeah, it'll hopefully be, I mean, the the band for this production is is small. It'll just be myself on keys and a, a trumpet player and a cellist. Um in an ideal world, it would be an orchestra of, you know, 30 players. Um, <laughs> yeah. But for now, it's small. But I think, you know, we wanted to have some sort of brassy element to kind of really um, uh, lean into that industrial sound of the show mm. and, and kind of keep it in that world. Um, 
Yeah. Zara's, yeah, we've got some moments that are really just about the machine itself. And, mm. you know, Zara's created this music that is really fun and driving to feed into. And sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes that machine is a really awesome thing that we really, really love and we really want to mm. be part of its, you know, beating energy. And sometimes it can feel very cold and strange mm. and discordant. Um, and I think, yeah, the music does a really beautiful job of representing that that relationship with machinery mm. and with industrialization. Um, mm. Directorially, like movement-wise especially, again, we're, we're kind of starting with something that is, you know, biomechanics inspired um, of the era, you know, movement that is of that time and and is interesting in terms of mm. how the, the human form relates to machinery. Um, and then we're moving through to something slightly more contemporary. You know, I, I don't want to give too much away, but as, as the show moves on, we do have sort of our jazz influences and our flapper style. Mm. And we're mixing that with almost a more contemporary movement style as well. Um, so we will have a little bit of Busby Berkeley energy in there along with a little contemporary dance. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of what I am very interested in is large scale ensemble movement, very, very um, intricate detailed movement that gives a feeling. Um, mm. And that I think a lot of what is awesome about movement in theatre is that you can make an audience feel anxious just by, you know, shaking your hands constantly. Um, and I'm very interested in that kind of energy. And I think it also makes the the room feel so expansive because you are speaking directly to people's feelings and not always to telling them what to think mm -hmm. and feel. Mm -hmm. um, I think my favorite moments that people come out of our shows are when they're like, oh, I love this part because it made me feel this. And then someone tells you that they love that exact same part, but it made them feel something different <laughs> mm -hmm. or it made them feel Anyway, as long as it's deep, as long as it's a deep, you know, invested feeling, I think we've done our job. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's a lot of that in this as well. And we've got a really wonderful ensemble who are very detailed in that as well, which is which is really awesome. Were there particular feelings like anxiety or something? I think, yeah, I mean, the novel itself is an overflowing of feelings. Like the way that she writes is just every single element of the world has an emotion attached to it. Mm -hmm. It's very much like... You know, she'll describe a machine as a god and the, that god has uh, its own energy and its own eyes. And, we, you know, we have these beautiful mo monologues of the machine has a, a mouth and it's eyeless but seeing all and all of this gorgeous kind of um, mm. personification of things but, but still a removal of humanity. Um, it feels really strange and and these kind of augmented reality worlds that she's creating is mm -hmm. is a really fun framework to play with in both movement and music wise. Mm -hmm. um, and also in the text, there are, I've definitely taken two of those monologues and manufactured them to work within what we've got just because they are so gorgeously, <laughs> um, you know, yeah. created that I couldn't I couldn't lose them. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a one. It's just so dexterous and intense. I think both of us reading the book were like, "Whoa, yeah. this is intense." <laughs> it's short, but it's there's it's a lot short, happening, <laughs> and it's almost like there. There's a one chapter where, you know, seven things will happen in that one chapter, and you're sort of like, "Wow, well, so much happened!" And then she'll spend an entire chapter on one moment. Um, wow. So you kind of get these hints as to what is important to feel and and why and when. 
um, as she's carrying you through this really epic tale. And, and one of those moments can just be between two people. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really wonderful to be able to use that to inform the feelings that we're trying to impart onto the audience. Absolutely. So you said, you've both said that it's been, well, you said, um, Sarah, I think that it's been six months and you obviously read this like years ago, Julia, or saw it, I guess, first. Has it been six months? Like, I mean, what is that kind of creative process like? It's probably been less than six months, to be honest. It's six months since I, I first floated it and about four since we maybe started giving it a go. <laughs> yeah, and um, really only about two since we really whoa. got stuck in it. <laughs> but, I mean, myself, I'm very tunnel-focused. When I, when I have a project that I'm excited about, I literally can't think about anything else. Um, and I think I'm lucky that Zara works quite similarly. We've, we've, it's been really like a dog to the, to a bone. And then look, there are times where two weeks, well, nothing will happen because you just spent there and you need the brain space. Mm. Um, but I, I just really enjoy getting very, Mm. very into the project and living in there and, you know, you dream about it and maybe you don't sleep so well, but boy, is it fun. Um, (laughs) Also, it's probably worth mentioning that most of those months that we've spent writing the show, we have been in different time zones yeah. in different cities. <laughs> so I think we figured out the other day we actually only met up maybe once in person over yeah. the course of writing it. There were yeah. a few Zoom calls and a lot of voice notes going mm. back and forth of, you know, me going, what do you think about this? Do ba do ba do ba you know? <laughs> and then Jules going, oh, yeah, maybe it could be more. So, you know, I think it's been quite non-traditional in so many ways. Um because, you know, obviously a lot of the big successful musicals that get produced take years and years oh. and years before it ever gets in front of an audience. Um, and I think that was one of the other reasons that I kind of said yes to doing this crazy thing was because I was like, well, you know, mm. especially in Australia, new work so often, you know, gets written and then never gets seen by anyone because there's no money to put it on or people aren't interested or whatever. Mm. And I was like, it's a tight timeline, but also it's a guaranteed season at mm. the Hayes, which already, you know, has a, a, a great um kind of mm. viewership. Um and so yeah. And I think been... we're we're both very lucky that we we work quite effectively in that we have given each other critique and offers just just because we're mm. we're purely about the work. And yeah. that's been something that's really nice to sort mm. of like yeah. know about yeah, the two of us. Definitely. Is that it never feels it's never felt personal or difficult to move through a problem. <laughs> it's always like, yes, let's try that. Let, let's try that. Oh, actually, what happens if we cut it? Let's try it. You know, just just really being actively mm. focused on the work and not focusing on ourselves. Because I think that can be the most different difficult thing about creating work is yeah. that Ego everyone sees it yeah, yeah, as a reflection of themselves. <laughs> and, you know, what I'm so into is collaborative theatre making and making sure that, you know, all of that conversation is out from ourselves. And as my... My job as a director is not to come up with the best ideas. It's to find the best ideas among, you know, the people that I'm working with. Um, I have so many more brains than mine to work with now. And working with Zara's brain over the last couple of months has just been awesome because, you know, her ideas are better than mine musically. <laughs> you know, like there are things that I can throw out. And and also you spend so much time with something that you, you stop seeing it afresh. Mm. So it's really nice to see, have someone say, 
hey, that sounds, you know, really not like what you want it to sound like. <laughs> and you're like, okay, great. Yeah, cool, cool. And you go back and change it. Um, but it's always just been about the work for us, which is really nice. And mm. it, it's meant that we can do this really rapidly. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, um, you haven't had time to for it to be, you know, you can kind of lose your energy. And I guess there's nothing like a deadline yeah. to make you work. Yeah. Julia and Zara, thank you so much. It just sounds exciting. I can't wait. Thanks so much, Regina. It's lovely to speak to you. Well, that was Julia Robertson, the director and writer, book and lyrics, and Zara Stanton, the composer and musical director for Metropolis. Exciting. On at the Hayes Theatre from the 21st of April for a month to the 21st of May.